When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender, and... Let me lead off because I had a number of ways I could have gone about this intro. I could have let off with uh, Kareem Hunt. Could have let off with the Redskins being the Redskins. We could have talked about Alabama, Georgia. But you know what? Here's what we're going to lead off with. I was wrong. I was wrong because Tyson Fury last night became the living embodiment of Rocky Balboa. Tyson Fury got absolutely robbed of the greatest comeback. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say greatest comeback. I'll I'll, I'll save the hyperbole. But I will say one of the greatest comebacks in sports history last night by an incredibly corrupt judging system in boxing. Tyson Fury, whom I consider to have the luckiest victory in sports history Four years ago over Vladimir Klitschko. Guess what? I got to apologize. I was wrong. The man earned that victory against Klitschko. It was not Klitschko being old. I thought it was Klitschko not having the fire anymore and then, you know, discovering the fire again and fighting Anthony Joshua and getting knocked out anyway. But I thought the loss to Fury was the fluke. Tyson Fury is not the fluke. Tyson Fury is the real deal. Tyson Fury, in spite of his struggles with alcohol and drug addiction, two years away from the sport, being massively out of shape, fighting two tomato cans before challenging Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight belt last night. This was a lot of hype, complete with Deontay Wilder going to the utterly ridiculous extremes of this promo he cut during the uh, pre-fight presser. I mean, it's seriously, if you look at that, it, it's you have got to be kidding me. Deontay Wilder brought out the 400 years comment. In the pre-fight presser with uh, Tyson Fury. Like, just on the press conference alone, 
you would have had Deontay Wilder knocking the bejesus out of Tyson Fury and ending this fight in six rounds or less. That was not the case last night. Last night, Tyson Fury not only outboxed Deontay Wilder, he got up from Deontay Wilder's right hand not once, but twice. Literally, the most dangerous punch in boxing, Deontay Wilder's explosive right hand over the top, Tyson Fury took it twice. Flush. <laughs> like, like the including, so he got dropped in the ninth round, and he gets dropped in the 12th round. And the 12th round knockout, there was a follow-up punch with the left that Wilder landed as Tyson Fury's going down. There is no chance Tyson Fury should actually be, like, like he should probably be in the hospital and check out for a concussion. Without question. Because Tyson Fury was out cold. Like, Deontay Wilder was, literally, it was the scene out of Creed. <laughs> Just to bring, how ridiculous, like, you could, you could only do this in a movie. That's how ridiculous it was, in terms of the knockdown. Because, Deontay Wilder hits him flush, drops him cold. Like, Fury's down on his back. Uh, Deontay Wilder goes to, climbs the ropes, like, uh, to celebrate the victory. Literally, everyone thought it was over. Tyson Fury somehow does the Undertaker bit because he's still on his back at five. Still on his back at five, not even moving yet. Does the Undertaker routine where, like, his eyes just go blank and he just starts rising up and somehow gets up. The The referee could have still called 10. I give the referee credit because I know some referees who still would have called uh, Tyson Fury uh out of 10 because technically he didn't make it for the standing eight count. He, he only made it up to a standing count for nine. And you know, the referee was careful to check on him and somehow Tyson Fury not only got back up, but continued to fight in that round as if uh, he still had a chance of winning that round. And you could tell Wilder a was shocked and B may have actually punched himself out because he, he, he was already exhausted in the 12th round, but if we're being honest here, Deontay Wilder lost that fight. Deontay Wilder, for all of his promises of being able to knock out Tyson Fury, couldn't do it and got outboxed the entire match. The The way this fight was scored with, I mean, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Uh, uh, Mexican judge Alejandro Rochin uh, scored the fight 115-111 to Wilder. Don't know what the, f- like, uh, you know, I'm not going to cuss, but, like, seriously. The, I I thought for sure, like, believe me, I had the money on Wilder and also the money on this fight not going to distance. There is not a chance in hell Deontay Wilder ever won that fight. It wasn't close. It was not close. Even with two knockdowns, Deontay Wilder still lost that fight uh, at least by two rounds. He lost basically every round of the fight. You could call some rounds a draw if you want, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's not happening. Like the the fact the fact of the matter is, Deontay Wilder was badly beaten by Tyson Fury. He was outboxed, and Tyson Fury got back up for the knockdowns. Like I, I don't know what to tell you, folks. Like again, this is set up to be a robbery of a decision to set up yet another rematch. Like, boxing can't help itself with all these bogus rematches. There's there's no, 
there's not a ch- there's not a chance of uh, this uh, even being close the next time around. Tyson Fury was not that great a shape either. Like, like people want to say how light uh, Deontay Wilder was. I thought Deontay Wilder came in too light at two twelve. Like Tyson Fury is a huge guy, and I still don't think he was uh, uh, in top physical condition for that fight. But he he clearly outclassed Deontay Wilder. He was in control of the fight the entire way through. Deontay Wilder just had those moments, but outside of that, he was wildly inconsistent. I think he he actually uh, uh, jacked himself up so much to the fact that he couldn't actually box uh, when it needed to. But the truth of the matter is, I got to give Tyson Fury credit because, you know, all the things that I saw in the Klitschko fight that I kind of poo-pooed, you know, going back and looking at I got to watch the Klitschko fight again. Even though it was four years ago, like, I got to watch that again because, you know, Fury just has this weird, like, foot movement thing. <laughs> like, you can't time the guy. It, it, it's 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 utterly bizarre. Like, I, I you know, may, maybe the, the thing that I keep, I keep looking at it and I keep, and I, it's just the natural biases of, you know, because he looks so awkward doing it. Like, it is almost impossible to time the guy. So a lot of the same difficulties I saw out of Klitschko not being able to land the jab, Wilder couldn't use his jab. It's like Tyson Fury's an incredibly difficult fighter to go after because, again, he maintains excellent range. You don't really have a good uh, feeling with your jab, and you end up lunging. You're constantly lunging at the guy, and he's just controlling the range on you. It's like, you know, I never would have thought I would have seen the day where Vladimir Klitschko would not be able to control the range on someone, but Fury did it. I thought it was just a fluke that it was because Fury uh, uh, Klitschko just got too old and Fury took advantage of it. But, you know, now that I'm looking at last night, like, Fury just, it, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, dynamic that he uses. It, it, it really is hard to get a feeling for what Tyson Fury's going to do, but... Like, without question, Tyson Fury won that fight. Uh, you know, the judges' scorecards had it. Uh, so, Rochin had it 115-111 Wilder. Uh, Canada's Robert Tapper had it 114-112 Fury. And the third judge, <laughs> who was the UK judge, Phil Edwards scored it 113-113. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is kind of bizarre <laughs> that the British judge is the one who scored in a draw. But, uh, you know, I'd I, I be perfectly honest with you. Just scoring that fight, I had it. <laughs> I mean, I really had this one, uh, like, decisively for, uh, for, for Fury. I had a 115-111 Fury, even with the two knockdowns. It, it's crazy. <laughs> it is absolutely crazy. Because Wilder could not get anything going. That's the, that's the truth of the matter. Wilder could not land anything on Fury and the tr- like, it, we could we could sit here and throw a blue in the face, but like Wilder was just not good. He wasn't good last night. I mean, it was a disappointing performance. But guess what? Like Tyson Fury should have won that. Should have won it easily. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. But uh, uh, you know, I- I'll. Uh, I'll leave that uh, to the boxing experts to, to go about it further, but, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua 
is the biggest loser out of all this because he's basically sitting at home. We got a guaranteed rematch coming and a big money payday. I'm not sure if Anthony Joshua can beat uh, Tyson Fury straight up now. I'm I'm very curious about that one because looking at how much because uh, Joshua could have easily lost the Klitschko fight, could have easily lost that one. It, like he had to widely swing out of it and uh, it expose himself, and uh, and they were able to uh, uh, was able to land a decisive blow on Klitschko. But I'll be honest, like I'm not sure with the way Tyson Fury is able to control range if. Anthony Joshua can win that fight. I can't believe I'm saying this. Cannot believe I'm saying this. Tyson Fury might actually be the best heavyweight in the world. Oh, my God. Literally. Might be the best heavyweight in the world. And without question, is the living embodiment of Rocky Balboa. Yes, I know about Chuck Wepner, people. But Chuck Wepner got knocked out by Muhammad Ali. Like, Tyson Fury literally was out cold last night and somehow got his ass back up. In something that was straight out of a movie. Like, I don't know what else I could say about that. But, you know, clearly it was a case of um, a guy just not willing to lose. So, uh, you, you got you got that uh, going down. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it's just the case where I have to say without question that uh, uh, there is... Uh, there, there's a new star in boxing. Tyson Fury's back, folks. And guess what? He's earned it. It's like, you can, you can love him or hate him, but he, he certainly earned the trust of the people because everyone was cheering for Tyson Fury in the States last night. Like, the States. United States of America. Tyson Fury was uh, getting more cheers than Deontay Wilder. That actually happened. So... Well, let's uh, let's keep moving. So last night uh, we had college football on uh, the SEC title game between Alabama and Georgia. You know, Georgia took Alabama to the wire, and Tua Viola, uh, Tagovailoa got injured, and Jalen Hurts came in and bailed out Alabama. You know, Alabama just the juggernaut that keeps on going. They just find a way to get it done. I mean. I have no doubt in my mind that Georgia is one of the best four teams in the country, but Georgia shouldn't be in the playoff. Alabama beat them straight up on a neutral site. It's not as though Georgia's like uh, undeserving, but we can't have a rematch right on the heels of that great matchup. Uh, yes, I know Georgia's uh, a better team than Notre Dame, but Notre Dame didn't lose, and with this stupid ass system that the NCAA put out. It, it should it should be Notre Dame, and it should also be uh, UCF in there, but UCF's not going to get it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got a system where the college football playoff is going to set up uh, a situation where you got Alabama, Clemson, most likely uh, Notre Dame at three, but Oklahoma could jump them and take that number three spot. Uh but uh, you, Notre Dame at three, and then you got Oklahoma at four because Oklahoma took care of business against Texas. Didn't look great doing it, but they took care of business. And you set up a matchup between uh, Alabama and uh, and Oklahoma, uh, one and four. And then you got Clemson and Notre Dame. Again, do I think Notre Dame's one of the four best teams in the country? Absolutely not. 
Not even close. But based off of where the polls are, it is what it is. It, like they they have earned the spot technically. So that's where it ends up being. I mean, you got three undefeated teams in Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. And folks basically want to put in the next highest ranked team, and that would be Oklahoma now that Georgia's lost. Uh, Ohio State, you know, you can't get blown out by Iowa. It's like, I, I can't make a case for Iowa State. I can make a case for Oklahoma. Can't make the case for uh, Ohio State. Oklahoma avenged their loss to Texas. Uh, yesterday by beating them uh and uh ohio state didn't look that great at beating northwestern i can't make a case for ohio state and then ucf just gets screwed because you know it's ucf it's like you win 25 games as a university and you don't even get consideration that that's what pisses me off the most about this college football playoff system because the coaches poll, the AP poll, all of the all these guys keep ranking UCF below to start out with. So they're always behind the eight ball and they need everyone to lose in order to even get a sniff at it. I'm not saying that UCF can beat any of those teams. But if you're telling me that the alternative is putting in Oklahoma over UCF, I don't think Oklahoma's one of the best four teams in the country. So why should they get any benefit over UCF? Like, you know, if you're basing it straight on uh, the actual team composition, yeah, you could say Oklahoma's better than UCF, but definitively, UCF's won 25 in a row. You can't make an argument saying that uh, straight up that they would beat UCF handily. I, I can't. I mean, I think you're pulling at straws if you're, if you're making that case. So... You know, at the end of the day, we still have a system where, yes, they want it at the top four because that makes it all the more selective as to how they want to go about it. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to be honest with yourselves and just say that you don't want smaller teams in the playoff. That's really what this all comes down to. It's just a matter of, how you want to massage it uh, to the masses. But, uh, you know, the uh, the committee can say what they want, uh, the selection committee, but they don't want smaller schools in the playoffs. They want the Power Five conferences, and that's it. And by Power Five, realistically, they mean the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12. They don't really care about the other conferences, to be honest. Clemson's just, like, there, and they were looking for a reason to get rid of Clemson. But uh, much like the FSU for... The past couple of years, they were trying to find a way to get rid of them. But, you know, if they keep winning, you're kind of stuck with them. So that's where we are. We're going to get the release at at, uh, at noon. So in a couple of hours here, we're going to get the, uh, the judgment ruled in as to how the final four are going to go down for the college football playoff. And then uh, the rest of the bowl games uh, series for the New Year's Bowls. So UCF will be in a New Year's Bowl without question. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they paired UCF against Michigan to make it a David and Goliath situation and to give Harbaugh one last shot at actually looking good because Jim Harbaugh keeps finding ways of losing big matches. And, you know, if he lost to UCF, I mean, 
Michigan may run him out of town with some of those alumni. Uh, just how crazy they can be. But, um, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see in a little bit, like, uh, where, how this actually goes down. But uh, uh, it is going to be interesting uh, to to note how everything shakes out uh, uh, for the bowl season, uh, which is one of my favorite times of the year. So uh, we're going to have the bowl preview special coming up uh, uh, in the next couple of days uh, once we get the unveiling of the bowls today. So uh, stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll, we'll do we'll, – maybe we'll, we'll put together uh, – uh, a little special by by spread picks and also by confidence pool picks, uh, just for you uh, those of you doing uh, those particular formats. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. So now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way, uh, let's get into the, uh, this NFL Sunday because we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, I know there's going to be folks asking about why am I not covering Premier League with Arsenal and Tottenham playing today. But the truth of the matter is that both of those squads are not going anywhere. So I'm not going to get myself sucked into, oh, did you see who's in the lineup today? Is Ozil playing? Uh, is so-and-so playing? Uh, you know, like, what's Harry Kane going to do? Like, I'm not going to go crazy over Arsenal Spurs. I'm just not going to do it. The reason why I'm not going to do it is because this is one of the most inconsequential matchups uh, in the last couple of years. You know, yeah, could they both make top four? Yeah, are both of them going to make top four? Probably not. This is going to be a down year for Arsenal. This is already looking like a down year for Spurs because, again, they're not looking as though they're going to win any cup titles. But, you know, it could change, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But, like, there's always a chance that they could win some kind of cup. But, you know, at, at a certain point, Spurs has got to find a way to uh, win something anything it's like you know you could say the trophies are meaningless all you want but winning competitions is part of the job when you're trying to establish yourself as a legitimate club so again i'm not going to really go crazy over premier league uh, this week just because we got a lot uh, to cover and uh, not a whole lot of time to get down uh, to everything but uh, uh, the truth of the matter is is that you know you, you got manchester city and everyone else I mean, Man United looks more and more depressing by the day, and you know, I, <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 literally the equivalent of a loveless marriage between Manu and Jose Mourinho. They both can't stand each other, but they don't know how to move on to the next uh, next gig, so they're just sticking it out <laughs> for for the immediate, for the immediate future, as miserable as they are together. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Premier League another time. But, uh, uh, and, yeah, MLS Cup is coming. Atlanta should win it. Uh, that's my MLS <laughs> Cup preview. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short against that. It's like, it was nice that Portland made it. But, I mean, Sporting KC gave it away. And uh, Atlanta's going to win that one. Um, which is going to be surprising because it's going to be one of the first times Atlanta wins anything since the Braves. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, let's get into the NFL slate because, well, again, like I said, we've got quite a bit going on and let's start off with the news, uh, that shocked the NFL world. And that is the release of Kareem Hunt by the Kansas city chiefs. Listen, I'm going to make this short and sweet. You can't pretend to act as though, uh, 
you care about domestic violence and the treatment of women unless you're actually going to take significant steps at enforcing said protections. I mean, you got the video of Kareem Hunt uh, shoving a woman down and kicking her, you know, and he lied to it, uh, to his employer about it. Got to be done. Got to be done. Now, on the other side, you got the Redskins being the joke of a franchise they are, signing Reuben Foster, charged yet again with domestic violence after he got his girlfriend to recant her statement previously. Uh, and no, the police never exonerated uh, Reuben Foster. They just said that she recanted her statement, so they have to withdraw uh, the complaint against him. But everyone knew what, what the deal was. You know, she got her hush money, went back to him, stayed with him, and she uh, she uh, she got uh, she got smacked around by him again. 49ers cut him, and the Washington Redskins are the only team who put in a claim for him to pay him the remaining 257000 on his salary for the remainder of the season. However, the reason why this story comes about is because this is why the NFL screws itself up because the Redskins never bothered contacting the police about the latest arrest for Foster. Reuben Foster, when he was arrested, the only team that inquired about him were the Philadelphia Eagles. They were the only team that contacted Tampa police for details about Foster's uh, misdemeanor domestic battery arrest. And that was it. You know, the Redskins basically uh, put out this statement. Uh, this came from Doug Williams, the Redskins senior vice president of player personnel, put out this statement saying that the team decided to investigate the situation with Ruben further by claiming his rights after candid conversations with a number of his ex-Alabama teammates and current Redskins players who were overwhelmingly supportive of us taking this chance. So instead of, you know, talking to the police, they talked to his college roommates from a couple of years ago. That shows you the level of, we don't give a damn what you think. We're going to keep doing what we want to do. That's the situation the NFL's in. Contrast that with the Chiefs, who knew Kareem Hunt was in a situation at a Cleveland Cleveland, uh, uh, establishment several months ago, knew about it, they, they said they questioned him. I'm sure they knew exactly what happened, but, you know, they said what they said, that Kareem Hunt was not truthful about it. I'm sure they had their own people investigate and probably knew something else was going on, but, you know, they weren't going to absolutely commit to anything until they knew for certain that this may get out into the public. And so once it got out to the public... That's when they acted on Cream Hunt. They didn't suspend him. They didn't do anything beforehand until it got out public by courtesy of TMZ. That's why Cream Hunt's out of the league right now. Let's not try to act as though the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were doing this out of uh, goodwill and wanting to be uh, upstanding citizens. They did it because... They knew they got caught and, you know, they were in a hard spot. So they just cut their ties and let it be done. 
And that's really what it came down to. So let, let's uh, let's just get into the lineups and the slate because, you know, I, I could I could talk about this for much longer, but it's just going to make me more aggravated. So uh, let's get into the spread picks. Uh, so we'll, we'll go we'll go through the entire slate, you know the drill, and then we'll go into the DFS lineups, and I'll give you my recommendations on how everything's going to shake out. So without much further ado, let's take it with the Giants, my Giants, hosting the Bears. The Bears laying four and a half. The Giants literally, you know, the, you, you could say the Giants are trying to win, but that's a lie. The Giants are trying to tank. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, even rewatching the Eagles game last week, it's it's almost impossible to say that the Giants weren't trying to tank that game with the play calling. It, it's almost impossible. So even with Chase Daniel back at QB because Mitchell Trubisky is still injured with his shoulder, you know, it is hard for me to actually say that uh, – uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't legitimately say that the Giants are going to cover this one because the Giants are trying to take. But the only reason why I would suggest anyone taking the Giants plus four and a half is just due to the fact that it's rainy out here today. It's going to be, it's, uh, you know, it, you could have some turnovers. There's always a chance that, you know, with as crappy of a field goal kicker the Bears have in Cody Parkey, he misses a couple of kicks and it gets the gets things interesting uh, so that uh, the Giants uh, can hang around and Saquon breaks off a huge run. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I have nothing here for the Giants to say complimentary. Uh, you know, I hate the coaching staff. I hate the offensive line. Hate the defensive play calling. Like all the things that I was complaining about last year remain true this year. It's just that we have Saquon now to go uh, to go along with a healthy Odell. But uh, you know, outside of that, like this is just an absolute mess. So uh, without much further ado, let's move it along to Buffalo traveling to Miami. Dolphins laying five and a half. I mean. You know, home favorite, Ryan Tannehill's back, Buffalo being Buffalo on the road. <sighs> mm. Man, this is an ugly game that I want no part of. But, you know, we we, 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 we do what we must. So, for picks, pools, I'm going to take Buffalo plus five and a half. It's a division game. They play tough. Second time around that they're seeing each other. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say that uh, Buffalo uh, gets gets some uh, running game going with uh, Lashawn McCoy and keeps it close. I don't really trust the Dolphins' defense at all, so I do think that uh, there's gonna be opportunities for the Bills to move the ball downfield. So I'm I'm gonna take Buffalo here. Uh, don't feel remotely confident about it whatsoever, but you know, again. It's a divisional game, and it's just a little bit too rich for my blood to take Miami to win by a touchdown to cover. So uh, let's go with the Bills here today. Next on deck, let's talk about Indy traveling to Jacksonville. I mean, Indy's a road favorite, three and a half. 
but listen, <laughs> it's Cody Kessler quarterbacking the Jags as uh, Blake Bortles has mercifully been put to the bench. I don't really have anything nice to say about the Jags, you know, uh, and you know, uh, for those of you who've been listening long enough, you know how I've basically been pounding the Jags the entire year, saying that they were not as good as people were saying they were, but at a certain point, pride has to take into account for certain things, and I'm not entirely sure that this won't end up being a trap game. Indy's going to win it. I'm just very concerned about Indy covering three and a half uh, as a road favorite. I, I just look at it as like this screams like it ends up being a last second field goal by Adam Vinatieri and we don't end up covering. Yeah, uh, if I was betting this, I would still take Indy. But man, I don't feel comfortable about this at all. For picks pools, I would actually say, you know, if you're trying to catch up in the ranks and just be a differential... Take Jacksonville, uh, just just to be different. And it's like you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that Jacksonville's gonna cover as the underdog. I'm not saying that, but if you need to like be a differential and just say you know, let's try something different, uh, you can go with Jacksonville. It's not it's literally not the end of the world here. It's not the craziest uh, bet you could make. So uh, let's keep moving. Arizona going to Green Bay. This is a, just a dumb line. Green Bay is favored by 14 and a half points. The Packers are 4, 6, and 1. Like, wait, hold on. Let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, 4, 6, and 1. I mean, guys, r- really? We're going to give the Packers 14 and a half points that they have to cover. Like, come on. I know Arizona stinks. Everyone knows Arizona stinks. Everyone knows Arizona's tanking without really tanking because Arizona's so bad, they don't even need to try to tank. That's how bad they are. But 14 and a half points for an inconsistent Green Bay squad with David Bakhtiari still injured and not practicing their best tackle? Like, you know, yeah, Green Bay's going to win this one, but it's like, we're positioning this as if Green Bay is gonna slaughter them. I, I'm I'm not I'm not committed to do that. It's like I think Green Bay wins by ten, but like if you're telling me they gotta win by more than two touchdowns, now we're getting into a territory where I do not feel remotely comfortable in. So I'm actually gonna have to take Arizona here. God help me, plus fourteen and a half. <laughs> it's like. I mean, really, this, this was just such a ridiculous line that I got frustrated with it, and it's not going away. The frustration still lingers because, realistically, Green Bay is not that good of a team to ever be given a two-touchdown spread that they have to cover. I mean, come on. Let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not be obnoxious about this one. That's just a bad line. All right, going on. We got Carolina playing Tampa in Tampa. Another road favorite here. You know, Tampa Bay can win this game. I'm just going to leave it at that. Carolina is in a free fall here, losing three in a row, games that they should be winning. This screams, yeah, Tampa's going to uh, Tampa's gonna get smoked by the Panthers because the Panthers are going to be coming in pissed. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. 
can we be can we just say that there's a chance that the Panthers are not as good as we think they are? As good as Cam Newton is playing, and I actually do believe Cam Newton when he says he's playing the best football of his career. I'm just not entirely convinced that this Carolina team is all that it's cracked up to be. You still don't have a true number one wide receiver. Yes, DJ Moore has been playing well, but Funch has been injured. Curtis Samuel is incredibly inconsistent. Uh, you had uh, Greg Olson miss part of the year, came back now, but you know, still not nearly to the level that Greg Olson we're accustomed to seeing from years past. You know, there's a reason why Christian McCaffrey has to carry this offense because the the actual other pass receivers on his team are not nearly up to snuff of what you would expect out of a playoff caliber team. That's just the way it is with Carolina. And guess what? They're going up against one of the most dangerous passing attacks in the league. As much as Jameis Winston turns the ball over, and likewise with his uh, backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you cannot deny that they can easily put up 30-plus points on the Panthers' defense today. You can't argue that. Like, the Panthers are very susceptible on defense as well, especially the tight ends. Cameron Bray it should be a money lock today for cash game lineups in DFS. If you're not playing Eric Ebron, you should be playing Cameron Bray. There's no question about this. Uh, so, uh, I'm jumping ahead, but realistically, James Winston should be able to have a good day, and if he doesn't, it's because he turned the ball over too many times. But don't, it's not going to be because Carolina was able to stop them from gaining a bunch of yards because Tampa is going to move the ball up and down the field today. There, there's not a doubt in my mind about that. Let's keep moving. So in terms of uh, another matchup, we got Atlanta playing Baltimore. Oh, man. I, the Falcons, without question, are just an aggravating team to watch. They, they just really truly just annoy the hell out of me because offensively they're not as good as people say they are defensively they're atrocious Lamar Jackson is incredibly limited as a quarterback he's still gonna have a monster day today so for DFS lineups cash games yeah he Lamar Jackson without question is viable today you know Atlanta has wasted the entire prime of Julio Jones it's an absolute tragedy Without question, Julio can still ball, and honestly, Julio would be better served leaving Atlanta. But because he uh, he negotiated that extra money uh, in his contract extension in the off season, uh, there's not a chance Julio's leaving. But man, the the Falcons have got to change something. You know, Dan Quinn's a good coach, and he's changed some of the aspects. But it's like there is just something wrong internally with the Atlanta Falcons and I can't put my finger on it outside of the fact that I think they're soft but like beyond that it's like you know one one coach or one player is not going to change Atlanta like Atlanta is just stuck in a purgatory of just we have a lot of talent and we have no idea what the hell we're doing week to week that's what Atlanta is so that's inherently frustrating uh again uh Another road favorite here, Baltimore favored by a point and a half. I got to give it to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, even though he's struggling very much as a QB throwing it, he brings a dynamic Joe Flacco cannot. Joe Flacco is as boring as watching paint dry at this stage. Uh, You know, there's nothing 
that Joe Flacco can do that's going to energize this club beyond what uh, Lamar Jackson is bringing to the table. Flacco should not get his job back. <laughs> I'll just be perfectly honest. Like uh, Baltimore should just write it out if Lamar Jackson can get him into the playoffs or not and give Jim Harbaugh another year's head coach uh, to figure it out with Lamar Jackson as QB. Now, as a Giants fan, I would love him for Jim Harbaugh to get uh, – I mean, I'm saying Jim. I mean John Harbaugh uh, to get fired so the Giants could hire him instead of a joke in Pat Shermer. But, you know, knowing our luck, John Harbaugh will get an extension out of this. But, uh, you know, I, I just look at this as, as a game where Baltimore let Lamar Jackson do his thing, take advantage of Atlanta's joke of a secondary, uh, and let Lamar Jackson be able to throw the football down the field. Yeah, we know he can carve up Atlanta running the football, but let uh, Lamar Jackson get some confidence throwing the football deep down the field. He's going to have success with Atlanta secondary. They don't cover anyone remotely well enough. So Lamar Jackson should have his opportunities down the field deep. All right, Cleveland against Houston. Baker Mayfield has been running his mouth for the entire friggin' week. You know, from the, I'm not going to hug you, uh, Hugh Jackson, which I was fine with, like, shake his hand, move on, and, like, you you want to do the elbow lock and not do anything else with you? Sure. When you go out of your way to call your ex-coach fake after he gets fired, Hugh Jackson gets fired, and, yes, you did transfer from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. You could have gone to another school. Uh, let's not pretend like you didn't have the opportunity to go to different schools. You wanted to stick it to Texas Tech, too, and Cliff Kingsbury. Don't don't be fake about it, Baker. Don't be fake. You're, you're calling other people fake. Be be real about it. It's like, just say you don't like the guy. It's like, you say you're not a cookie-cutter quarterback. How about you actually start telling the truth then? Because quarterbacks lie all the time. But you like to lie and create your own narrative to make it seem like you're not that petty. You know, if you're going to be an ass, be a full-blown asshole. Like... Well, let's let's be real about it. Like if you if you didn't like Hugh calling the plays, which he didn't, it was Todd Haley. But you seem to attribute it the failures to Hugh Jackson calling the play calls. So if you're saying Hugh Jackson was the true play caller, say that Hugh Jackson was the true play caller in Cleveland. Don't make these veiled comments about the play calling when the official story is that Hugh Jackson was not calling plays. If you think Hugh Jackson was calling the plays, then you should say so. I mean, what's it going to harm? But, like, the fact that Baker Mayfield keeps making up this narrative that is between him and Hugh Jackson, you know, that means either Hugh Jackson said to him something to him personally or someone in the Browns organization was influencing Baker to turn on Hugh, and that was probably Todd Haley. Because Todd Haley is the guy, when Hugh got fired, Todd Haley was shocked by management when they didn't award him the interim job and fired him. As well, uh, in addition to Hugh. So, it's very well possible that Todd Haley was telling Baker Mayfield, Hey man, I wanted to call this play, but Hugh Hugh was holding me back. Now, I, just because of knowing how prickly Todd Haley is, I I, I still can't believe that Todd Haley went out of his way to uh, backstab Hugh Jackson that way. I have a tough time believing that just because Todd Haley, you know, again, 
it's a great way of napalming any bridges going forward in your coaching career by doing something like that and submarining another coach. But, you know, this whole Baker Mayfield saga is already just well overblown, and I'm tired of it. So without much further ado, I'm I'm taking Houston laying to four and a half. Uh, I, I, I don't think the Browns cover this one uh, going on the road. This is the first decent defense Baker's faced in a couple of weeks, and I think it's going to show a lot of flaws in his actual game. So uh, we're, we're going to see how he performs, but I'm not I'm not sold on uh, uh, Baker Mayfield actually having a good game today uh, against Houston. So it, it's, it has me a little bit concerned uh, moving forward how, how uh, Cleveland's going to handle it because if Baker's going to keep talking – He's going to have to back it up every single week. And as we saw with Jalen Ramsey and the Jags, talking that much junk week to week, it, it, it gets it gets to you over time. It may not happen this year, but it will eventually start happening to you. And that once that snowball gets going, it is very hard to stop it because everyone's gunning for you. That's why the Eagles are getting their asses kicked so much week after week. It's because they talked a whole bunch in the offseason and, and everybody was waiting to pounce on them, and now they can't do anything about it because they got injuries now, so they, they're not at full strength to to combat it. So, again, tread carefully when you want to talk smack sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes silence is the, is, is the best weapon you have in your arsenal. And, like, not all, not all the guys use it. Brady does, though. Tom Brady does. Brady, Brady has that smoldering revenge that he does to people at times but um yeah so let, let's let's keep moving now uh we got what i feel is the lock of the week denver road favorite going into cincinnati denver minus three and a half uh, i'll be perfectly honest with you i'm gonna have at least 100 bucks on the broncos to cover this today i am ultimately confident in the broncos like just destroying the Bengals today. In DFS, I'm playing Philip Lindsay. I'm playing Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, if I'm not playing Emmanuel Sanders, I'm playing Cortland Sutton. I'm getting as much exposure to Broncos players as possible. I'll fit in some Matt Lacoste uh, at the tight end position. I'm not going to play Case Keenum because it's Case Keenum, and we have a cheap uh, we have cheap options at QB as well. So I don't have to worry about uh, I don't have to worry about. Uh, playing a guy like Case Keenum, but uh, I just, you know, when you're going up against a defense that's playing as poorly as Cincinnati is right now, you have to take advantage of the situation. So I, I look at it as a case where, uh, y- you know, Cincinnati is is just complete meltdown mode. Andy Dalton's done for the year with the uh, thumb injury. Jeff Driscoll's the QB. I, I mean, if he's anything like I remember him being – the first couple of go-arounds in the NFL. Uh, this should be a long day for Cincinnati, and Von Miller is going to have a field day. So Denver defense also in play today uh, for DFS uh, purposes. But like I said, just straight-out outright betting uh, to cover the spread, money line bets. Uh, my money is on Denver today. There's just nothing else that I'm I'm looking at this from the perspective of. So, um it, it, it's it is what it is it, you know we, we could we could sit here and talk about all the deficiencies and uh how uh marvin lewis has to be fired 
Hugh Jackson has no business interviewing for the Cleveland. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals job. Like there, there, there are a number of things wrong with Cincinnati right now. And to, truth be told, I don't think Cincinnati cares. I, I think they're just in it for the draft pick right now. So uh, the uh, the Bengals are going to do what the Bengals are going to do. They're going to find ways of losing games. So uh, I, I say take Denver with confidence here today uh, because uh, you're not going to see a whole lot. Moving on, we've got the Rams going to Detroit. You know, again, another team that's trying to tank as much as possible, Detroit. Uh, the Rams should be up comfortably in this one. The only question is, is if uh, you see resting for guys like Todd Gurley coming in early. Uh, uh, you know, we could see uh, Gurley leaving the game early in the second half. If the Rams are up two touchdowns, why are you going to risk uh, wearing Gurley out when uh, he's got an uh, ankle injury? I, I just think that it, this is a case where uh, the Rams should be able to take care of business relatively easily against the Detroit squad that's looking forward to next year. Even with nine and a half uh, points as uh, the line, you know, I, I just look at this as a case where, yeah, I'm not, uh, because we have Denver. Uh, my money is going to be, be a lot on of it. It's going to be on Denver, but you know, I, I wouldn't hesitate to put a bet down on LA too, uh, to cover the spread just because Detroit's not going to have that much, uh, in terms of, uh, a response in my opinion, like that Thanksgiving game was about as hard as they're going to play the remainder of the year. And they, they dropped that game to the, uh, the bears uh, the Rams saw what happened to the Saints the other night. They're going to want to make sure that they wrap up uh, the number one seed in the AFC as soon as possible. So I think they're going to come out aggressive, and I think they're just going to put it on, uh, put put it on the Lions as early as possible. So uh, let's move on to the four o'clock slate because uh, I think we covered everyone uh, in the one o'clock slate. Yeah, so Jets traveling to Tennessee. Titans, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Man, this is another one where it's just like I'm miserable because I wouldn't touch this game normally, but because of picks, pulls, you you can find yourself having to pick this one, and I'm going to I'm gonna have to actually take the Jets here. Even, and this is, not an, uh, this is not saying that I'm confident about the Jets whatsoever. It's just that Tennessee is not nearly consistent enough on offense that I would feel comfortable putting them a, a 10 points ahead of their opponent. They're like they, they're going to have to work hard in order to beat you down. And the, the jets are just such a lackluster team that I don't think it's necessarily going to engender any, any uh, spirit from, uh, the Tennessee side, I think Tennessee is more likely to uh, 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 like uh, underestimate the Jets, uh, just thinking that they're one of the worst teams in the league. The Jets are an average football team, uh, but it, like uh, matchup wise, they should have some difficulties going against Tennessee. But if they work hard enough, they can actually cover this game. So I- I'm going to take the Jets here plus nine and a half. Next up, Kansas City. Traveling to Oakland. The Raiders season keeps on going further and further down the drain. I mean, we talked about the Kareem Hunt situation. Uh, 
it's going to throw things off for the offense. Uh, Spencer Ware must add in fantasy formats everywhere, uh, but he's uh, probably already picked up if you're listening to, uh, listening to the podcast at this moment just because everyone was jumping on that news Friday. Uh, it's just a case where, you know, you got a top 10 running back and he's going to be dirt cheap in DFS formats. You got you got to make that acquisition happen. So, um, again, Oakland being uh, plus fifteen and a half, it, it, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. But again, I see a lot of resting coming for the LA players. I know Sean McVay doesn't believe it, but why would you keep going? Uh, keep going to bring in. Uh, Gurley, when you know he's got he's got a couple of nicks, you've already lost Cooper Cup for the year. It's like it makes sense to give some of the younger guys burn in a game like this if you get up. So I'm not saying they're going to rest starters. I just think that they're going to play the starters, get get out to a couple of lead, and then let uh, let the rest of the squad take care of business. All right, moving along. Just because we're already approaching the hour mark, so. <laughs> We got to get moving. Uh, San Francisco going to Seattle. Uh, Seattle favored by 10.5 points. Again, this is one where a lot of ugliness I see coming on this way. Seattle should win this one. Uh, 10.5 is a big line uh, to a division rival. I, I don't like going that high against division rivals. Even though San Francisco showed me absolutely nothing against the Raiders last week. I mean, that was a dreadful performance. Uh, so, I, I have I have a lot of trepidation here. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to take stances uh, uh, in what you believe in. And one of the things I don't really believe in, uh, you know, unless it's a situation where you, are, you have to uh, play a team just because of like significant injury. I don't really like doing double digit, uh, double digit, uh, uh, picks, uh, for favorites. Uh, you know, especially if they're on the road, but, uh, you know, even if they're at home, double digit, uh, favorites, uh, you know, to division opponent, you're asked, you're courting with danger. That That's, that's the biggest thing I, I see there. So I'm, I'm going to take San Francisco, Although I have nothing nice to say about the 49ers at the moment, uh, the way they're playing. Uh, going to those uh, the Fox, well, actually, it might actually be on CBS. I got to double check uh, which uh, which uh, game they, each station has. Uh, but it sounds this this sounds like it's going to be a Fox game. Well, maybe they'll do the Seahawks game. Ah, oh, jeez, I can't make up my mind. It sounds like a Fox game, even though it, it's in New England. But we got the uh, Vikings uh, playing uh, playing uh, the Patriots. Uh, you know, I look at this one as a case where uh, if the Vikings are serious about making the playoffs, they're going to figure out a way of... Uh, oh, it is a Fox game. Um, yeah, the Vikings have got to figure out a way of getting a win in New England, which if Kansas City can do it, I I can't see I can't see uh, uh, the Vikings doing it. New England's a six and a half point favorite. This is where it gets a little bit interesting, though. I'm not sure if New England's going to be able to beat the Vikings by a touchdown. So 
where it comes down to is that even though I think New England's going to win, I'm probably going to bet on uh, Minnesota on a f- little bit of a flyer that they covered a six and a half. Uh, it's it's just one of those games where, yeah, I could see New England winning it, but uh, I, I would entertain a small bet on the Vikings if you were so inclined. Just because Tom Brady has not looked like himself throwing the football this year. Uh, even with Xavier Rhodes out, the, the Vikings still have a very good secondary. So I could see this being a game where New England just tries to grind it out with the run game even though they're against a stout run defense, and we see a lot of punts uh, being exchanged by both squads, and eventually New England pulls through, but it's not by a touchdown. It ends up being Goskowski kicking a couple of field goals. So uh, I I would say that uh, this is a case where uh, you could see uh, Minnesota actually covering this one. Now for the Sunday night game, we got Chargers going to Pittsburgh. Chargers are a a three-and-a-half-point underdog, and I like the Chargers here. Even with Melvin Gordon out, Austin Eckler can do a couple of things uh, out of the backfield, uh, catching the football, that I think can give Pittsburgh some trouble uh, with their linebackers. I don't think their linebackers are actually going to be able to keep up with Austin Eckler. And I I do think Keenan Allen has a very good penchant of causing a lot of trouble for uh, the Pittsburgh uh, DBs. So, I look at this as a case where even though you got a Chargers team that at times can look like a bit of a pretender, I do think the Chargers are a playoff team, and I think that their road to the playoffs, you know, they, they're they going to need to get a home playoff game uh, in, in the event of uh, if something happens to the Chiefs where – like, because everyone has been writing this off as the Chiefs are going to win the division. With this Kareem Hunt news, you never know. So we're going to have to see how the Chiefs do it. But if the Chargers win out, there's a chance that the Chargers could actually win this division out. It's not the craziest thing in the world, given the fact that you've got the injury. I mean, you, you've you've got you've got a significant absence on the Chiefs, not not due to injury, but because of uh, the suspension, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt was a big focal part of the Chiefs. So we're not entirely sure what Chiefs team is going to show up. I don't think that they're going to lose to Oakland, but it's not out of the realm possibility that the Chargers can make a late surge starting tonight in Pittsburgh, run the table, and it puts the onus on the Chiefs to actually uh, uh, win a couple of games to make sure that they win the division. So, I'm not, I'm not sold on counting out the Chargers just yet. So, uh, outside of that, like I said, I like the Chargers to not only cover as an underdog, but I think they're going to win outright uh, this game. So, uh, we'll, we'll take it from there, and, and we'll see uh, how that one goes, uh, goes down. But that should be a very interesting Sunday night football game, especially considering that uh, Big Ben has been throwing everyone and their mother under the bus for his fuck-up in the end zone. And it was a monumental F-up by uh, Big Ben uh, throwing that uh, goal-line interception because he can say whatever he wants about what route Antonio Brown should have ran. It was a flat pass with nothing on it to a defensive lineman that if the defensive lineman didn't pick it off, 
the DB would have picked it off. It, it made no sense. And instead of just saying owning it, Big Ben decided to throw his own teammates under the bus and created media controversy for three days in Pittsburgh when he didn't need to. It, there was no need to go down that route. But uh, we'll see uh, what happens uh, uh, in the Sunday night football game tonight. But uh, I'm very much curious about that one. And then for Monday night, we've got uh, Washington playing Philadelphia. Uh, the Eagles are six and a half point favorites. I do like uh, what we, we've got coming out of Philly, though. Uh, this screams like a, a case where uh, you're going to have uh, Philly winning this game. I don't trust Washington. It's still too many injuries. It's still Colt McCoy uh, playing QB. Uh, you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sold on Washington at all in this game uh, coming up. Even though Philly got pretty much run out of run out of town by the uh, the Giants in the first half, the Giants were tanking, and Philly, you know, did what they needed to do. I can't see Philly coming out that flat again. If they do back to back flat first quarters in, at home, they will be booed out of Memorial Coliseum. Uh, there, there's not a doubt in my mind. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the uh, what the defending champs have to say for themselves. But I, I do like their chances to not only win the game, but actually cover the six and a half points. So I'm going to take Philly in that matchup. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, what's been going on in terms of uh, the DFS world. So obviously with Kareem Hunt out of the picture, Spencer Ware is the top 10 running back in fantasy sports. So uh, folks have uh, probably ready to pounce on him. So from a DFS perspective, what can you do to help your lineup moving forward? And this is what I have to tell you. You got to play Spencer Ware today. It is without question the number one play in terms of chalk of the season. Spencer Ware is only four grand on DraftKings. 5200 on FanDuel, way too cheap on both sides for a starting running back in a primo matchup against a Raiders uh, defense that can't stop the run. You have to play Spencer Ware. 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 I know I'm being repetitive, but this is without question the chalkiest play of the season. You cannot get around it. Like trying to play any uh, fade Spencer Ware in cash games, it's just, it's just you might as well light your money on fire because all Spencer Ware has to do is to fall into the end zone once and you are done. You have to protect yourself by playing Spencer Ware because he is so cheap right now that any touchdown scored automatically puts you in the hole and if you're playing cash games and you fade him. Because guess what? Uh, your opponent's going to be able to fit in so many other players because Spencer Ware was so cheap that you're not going to be able to make the points valuation work any other way. You need you would actually need Spencer Ware to get injured in order to win a cash game lineup uh, just because we know the Raiders are going to give up yardage and touchdowns. So it's just a case where you see what they uh, – see. Uh, See uh, what the uh, the future may hold, but uh, you you cannot 
try to ignore the obvious iceberg that is Spencer Ware being underpriced because Kareem Hunt got cut by the Chiefs in the most shocking news of the season. You can't, I mean, listen, the salaries were put out uh, days before this went down. So you have to take advantage of the situation while it presents itself uh, because everyone else will. There's There's nothing, there's nothing you can do outside of GPP lineups where you don't have Spencer Ware in your lineup. It, it, you just can't do it. It's too irresponsible. I, I I would be negligent as your fantasy host telling you to avoid playing um, Spencer Ware today. It doesn't make any sense. you got to play Spencer Ware. However, with me talking up Spencer Ware, if you're fitting him into your lineup, you got to fit in Pat Mahomes. I mean, by Spencer Ware getting uh, pretty much all the attention because he, he's – it's the chalk play of the year. You're going to want to have some security blanket as well for Pat Mahomes because Spencer Ware catches balls out of backfield too, folks. He's not just a in-between-the-tackles runner. So Chiefs offense, I expect to run the exact same way as we've seen. So if I have the additional money saved, why wouldn't I pay up to get Pat Mahomes? Pat Mahomes is running you. I mean, let's, let's be clear here. Pat Mahomes is not that expensive. If we're being truly honest with ourselves here, Pat Mahomes is not going to be that expensive. The reason being is that because of the fact that you're only paying four grand for Spencer Ware. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, because if you look at it, the face of it here, I mean, Pat Mahomes is 7600 on DraftKings, 9100 on FanDuel. But if you're paying that low on DraftKings, and FanDuel applies as well, too, uh, where he's only 5200 You can pay up for Pat Mahomes. That's the, that's the beauty in all this. Because of the fact that Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, being 9500 on uh, FanDuel, you know, normally that would be too rich. It's like you're not going to be able to afford it. But because the Chiefs offense dumps the ball to the uh, running backs, this gives you the, uh, the pairing. You can pair Spencer Ware with Pat Mahomes without issue. You don't have to play Tyreek Hill today if you don't want to, if you think you're paying too much uh, in terms of salary on the Chiefs. But to me, the stack to play is Tyreek Hill, or you can play Kelsey, but I I would rather do Hill because I think I have uh, suitable cheap options uh, in tight end this week. Uh, I would stack Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes, and Spencer Ware. That's your building block for both cash games and tournament lineups. To me, the Chiefs are going to score a bunch of points on this Raiders team. Yes. Is it possible that some of these guys get some rest? Not everybody, though. Not everybody's going out of the game. So even if it turns into a complete and utter blowout, you're still going to get uh, those fourth quarter points. Not everybody's going to be out of the mix. So I still think that this is, without question, the stack you got to go with, and then you move on with the rest of your lineup from there. So in terms of where I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, matchups such as Philip Lindsay against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are atrocious. Uh, like let's like uh, if we're if we're being if we're if we're being honest with ourselves here, Philip Lindsay would have been my top running back player of the week just because of how many yards the Bengals are giving up on the ground and in the air. Philip Lindsay can catch a dump off pass and take it to the house. And he can also run in between the tackles and take it to the house. He's that quick. 
So to me, Philip Lindsay, without question, lock cash games and GPPs. Don't care. I'm playing Philip Lindsay today, but the fact that Spencer Ware is so cheap, pairing up Philip Lindsay with Spencer Ware, and I get to pay for Patty Mahomes uh, as well. That that to me is a win win right there. Plus, uh, you can get exposure to Emmanuel Sanders as well, 6,300 on uh, DraftKings. Uh, and only 7K on FanDuel. He's even better play on FanDuel just because of the touchdown potential he could have today against Cincinnati. Other guys you can look at in terms of the wide receiver position, Brandon Cooks at uh, 77,000. You got Robert Woods at 6,900. I mean, obviously both players on the Rams, but the Lions secondary is not very good. Uh, You know, they keep getting press. I, I don't care about Darius Slay. I think that they're very vulnerable. So I, I really look at this as a case where you can definitely get good value out of the Rams uh, wide receivers. Adam Thielen against the Pats. You know, the, this one comes with a caveat. It depends on if Stefan Diggs actually plays. I think the Pats would focus their attention on Diggs and let Thielen do, uh, do his damage underneath. I don't think they'll let Thielen beat him deep. I think Diggs is the guy they would be afraid of deep. But if uh, Diggs can't go... Obviously, Thielen would be out of the mix here because then they could just roll their coverages over to just shut down Thielen entirely. In terms of other players, Kenny Galladay for the Lions. Everyone's injured on the Lions, so Galladay's the last man standing, and he's very good. So I think even with Akeem Tlaib back in the in the mix, he still has a good day uh, at, in the office. Uh, you know, his team will lose. But at 6,700, you could do a lot worse in terms of a wide receiver. And then Corey Davis against the Jets. The Jets are an absolute mess. So uh, Corey Davis is another play here. You can look at uh, the likes of uh, Adam Humphreys at 4,200 or Chris Godwin at 3,900 on DraftKings. FanDuel, obviously the prices are going to be a little bit higher. But those are nice low uh, to mid-range value plays that you can go with that I like quite a bit in terms of the wide receiver position. Tight end. This is where I hate myself because Eric Ebron is going to be one of the chalkiest plays along with Cameron Brait. I would absolutely tell you folks to play Cameron Brait because, again, I can't bring myself to play Eric Ebron under any circumstances. Uh, Brait's going to run you 3,700 on DraftKings, 4900 on FanDuel. If you want to take a chance with Eric Ebron, he's going to cost you 4200 on DraftKings, 5600 on FanDuel, and God help you if you play Eric Ebron in GPPs. Uh, you know, I, I mean, cash games, I can I can get it. I can get it. I can get it. But, man, oh, God, it pains me that I'm going to have to play Eric Ebron in some cash games just to protect myself because he, I know he sucks, but he keeps putting up numbers, and it kills me. It kills me every single time it happens. Anyway, that's the tight end spot. I mean, you could pay up for Kelsey, but I don't recommend it, mainly because you can get other players on the Chiefs. I mean, he'll run you seven grand on uh, DraftKings FanDuel. Uh, he'll be a little bit more pricier, but... Uh, you know, I, I just think that the touchdown potential that you can get with Tyreek Hill is a bit higher, and the dump-off passes uh, to Spencer Ware are a legitimate uh, concern when you're, you're talking about the Chiefs' offense. 
I think they, I still think that they're going to be running those underneath pass routes uh, to running back. So even though Kelsey's the number one tight end in football, tight end has been devalued so much this year in terms of fantasy production. Uh, I can't necessarily recommend recommend that play. So, a couple of defenses to keep in mind. You can look at the Chiefs against uh, the Raiders. You can look at Seattle against the 49ers. You can even look at the Packers against Arizona because, I mean, the Cardinals are hot garbage. Even though David Johnson will uh, put up some fantasy points today because he is the offense, uh, I think you can play the Packers with confidence today. The, The biggest thing I see from this fantasy slate here today is just the simple fact that because of the Kareem Hunt situation, you cannot fade the Chiefs. there's just too, it's too easy to fit in all the chiefs against the Raiders defense. So to me, you're going to have to put in Spencer Ware and you're going to have to put in Tyree kill or Kelsey. I prefer Hill over Kelsey, but to me, you're just asking for trouble. If you fade the chiefs and you're not playing Pat Mahomes uh, to go with Ware and Tyree kill. I I just think that it's a disaster waiting to happen because it's too cheap to get to Pat Mahomes and Pat Mahomes, again, this is a showcase game because you got a shitty team in the Raiders. Pat Mahomes just saw Drew Brees uh, lose his, potentially lose his MVP award. He goes snag it for himself. Why wouldn't he go out there and try to put up five or six touchdowns on the Raiders? I mean, it's the Raiders. I, 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 again, I don't like doing double-digit underdog picks, but there's still a very realistic chance that the Chiefs could blow them out by four touchdowns today. From a betting perspective, just for principle's sake, I have to take the Raiders, but there's a very real chance from a DFS perspective that Pat Mahomes can put up over 35 points today. Very real chance. And still get benched. But he can put up 30-plus points in the interim. That's how bad the Raiders are. And that's the position the Chiefs can find themselves in because they're playing the Raiders. So, again, I look at this as the, and just say that, you know, avoid stacking the Chiefs at your own peril. You know, we, we, we can go back and forth on it, but that's the way I would play it. Stack the Chiefs. Let it ride. I'm seeing Arsenal winning against Tottenham. I'm not even looking at the game, but uh, I got threw off my train of thought there. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh you have to look at it from the perspective of how best can I get my uh, money's worth in terms of the lineups. And to me, the play here today is stacking the Chiefs and letting it ride. Uh, you know, you got the, uh, the number one or number two best offense in the league against one of the league's worst defenses. Uh, yes, the, the the Rams are playing the, the Lions, but, uh, you know, the drop-off from the Lions to the Raiders is much more significant. So I would rather be stacking uh, the Chiefs today than stacking the Rams. That's just the way I look at it. And because you got a cheap play in Spencer Ware and having to pay up for Gurley, you can fit everybody in. Like, to me, don't give up a, a free square when it's being offered to you. So that's my recommendation for today. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, I'll be doing a little bit more because, uh, you know, obviously we didn't get through everything that, that transpired. And we, we do have the college football selection show coming up uh, later today. So uh, 
hopefully I'll get a breakdown of uh, the bowl games and I can start getting ready for my analysis of uh, those matchups. And uh, we'll see how the NFL games shake out today. But it should be a very interesting slate, obviously, with fantasy implications abound for uh, those of you in your, still in your fantasy football leagues with a chance. It should be a big day today, so pay attention to your lineups uh, uh, before the uh, head of the lock, and we'll see how things go. But uh, that's all for now, and have a good day, everyone.